Hi friends, thanks for joining us for another episode of Chatterbox. Today I got to talk to Karis about everything that she's been up to and I think you're really going to enjoy this. She gets to talk about her exciting summer, checking some things off her bucket list, as well as her placement and where she sees herself in the future and as always what's making her happy. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you guys are happy, healthy and Feeling good after midterms. Karis? Hello. I'm so excited <laughs> to talk to you today. I know. This is my first podcast appearance. <gasps> Ooh, we get to you. Yes. I'm so excited. I've got my glass of wine. I'm settled in and we're ready to get this chat on. Lovely. Let's do it. <laughs> so I want to know what you've been up to since um question since ever (laughs) i'm still in greensboro uh this summer i visited i think like 32 parks across greensboro it was like my quarantine covid bucket list did you actually make it to 32 i think i did i wrote a bunch of them down checked them off as i went went back to a couple more than once but i really tried to go to a different one like every day it was good. That's awesome. I was a little, little exploration. We had a little COVID date. That's true. Yep. 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 I haven't, I don't think I've gone back to that one. Uh, yeah. Well, we didn't ever make it. And that one also was a cheat because we drove to it and then turned around. We didn't even get out of the car. <laughs> we went to this freaking park and it's after <laughs> dusk. And so it's all locked up and gated. And we sat in the parking lot on like the asphalt. It's not even a real parking lot. It's just a slab of asphalt off the side of some street and ate pretzels and Nutella. Yeah. I was like, Karis, I would not be surprised if you leaned over to make out with me right now. This is like a really high school (laughs) date right now. I honestly, (laughs) there weren't, there weren't other park visits I had like that. So that does stand out. I had a little rating system. I don't know where I put my paper, you know, like a little Yelp review for my parks. Yeah. I'm doing that with wineries right now. Oh yeah. I haven't made it to 32, but it, it could happen. It could happen. 2021 could be the big, big year. Yeah. Um, so I did, I did that. That was good. Mm-hmm. And then my placement is um, at High Point Medical Center now. You missed, you skipped a lot. What else have oh, you yeah. done this summer? All right. Other parts huh. of my summer. <laughs> um, in, I moved. Mm-hmm. And thank you for helping me move. I found a new hidden talent of driving U-Haul trucks. If anybody needs it, I can back in very well with them. Um, They're also very cheap. If anyone just wants like a fun afternoon, go rent a U-Haul truck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's recommend. What? (laughs) Harris recommends parks and U-Haul trucks. (laughs) So far, yep. Parks and Rec. That's like parks and like recreation. Oh, also speaking of um, recreation, I did an RV. Isn't that a recreational vehicle? Mm-hmm. That has been one of my, that's been on my bucket list since I was like maybe eight years old. 
and COVID helped that happen, which was awesome. And I had a little getaway with my mom, which she loved. We only hit one thing (laughs) as we were driving. So that's kind of a win. Um, (laughs) So tell us about the RV. What did, what did you do? I know you said you've been wanting to do it for a long time, but like what made you pull the trigger? Where'd you go? Stuff like that. Um, I say it was sponsored by my Trump bucks since he, you know, passed out a couple extra. Um, and you have to be 25 and I'm 24. So I couldn't legally drive it. And I thought it was like, maybe you could get around the rule. You can't get around the rule, at least from a place I saw it. People have connections. Let me know. Cause I have a year left till I'm actually legally allowed to. I don't know if I'll have more Trump bucks, but <laughs> anyways, um, so I went with my mom. We went to Lake Carr, but the North Carolinians call it Lake Kerr, like K-E-R-R. And it's on the border of North Carolina and Virginia. But in Virginia, they call it Bug Lake. No, Bug Isle. Bug Isle in like a super Southern way. Uh-huh. Um, and then we also went over to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, which was beautiful. And I'd love to go back and hike that. So we did the... Um, it's over Pigeon Forge is over there and Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Okay. Um, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I feel like that's so fun and like that's such a great bonding experience with your mom. Yes. And we were thinking like there were a lot of things that we couldn't do uh, between March and now because of COVID, but that's one thing that we could do and we probably couldn't do it any other time. So I was able to work like while on the road, literally, um, on my laptop, still get paid while I was on vacation. Pretty nice. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. Yeah, that's so cool. And you got yeah. to see some places you hadn't seen before. And yeah, I told, okay, so I told my mom, I was like, we can go to a Walmart parking lot and sit there. Like, I just want to be in the RV. She can pick the places and the places were very good. <laughs> that's awesome. I had, I had very low, um, requirements. Yeah. And do you still have dreams of RV life? Like, does this solidify it? Did it change? Oh, it so it was better than I thought it would be. Part of me thought that I, you know, had been thinking about this forever and it wouldn't be that great. It was honestly better than I expected. So that's great. I don't, I'm going to have to get a job before I do this again, <laughs> like a career job. Um, maybe get a house. There might be some other things I'll buy first, <laughs> but I would do it again, 100%. Yeah. Highly recommend. Maybe you can do like a tiny house and an RV. I know. Yeah. That'd be a sweet. That piece. would be very, very cool. <laughs> if I did a tiny house and an RV, my RV might be bigger than my tiny house. Yeah. The RV was like large, much larger than I thought. <laughs> I believe it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad it lived up to the hype and then some. It, it honestly did. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's something else uh, that comes to mind pretty quickly as far as quarantine goes that happened for you. Would you like to talk about your birthday? <laughs> okay, I didn't think you were that up. Um, my birthday did happen. That was in late August. Um, thank you everybody who's listening to the podcast that texted me happy birthday and stuff. It was very sweet. Sorry if I didn't answer all of them. The reason I didn't answer all of them is because I was in the hospital. I was supposed to be at the hospital, like at my placement. I was at a different hospital um, because I had a kidney stone 
And I'm trying to think, I didn't even think about it in the moment, but I wonder if any of anybody in our cohort was at that hospital. Probably. I know they made me NPO. I was upset about that because I had to have a, cat, a CT scan and I didn't also, I think I was very out of it. Mm -hmm. um, but they made me NPO and I kept asking for water and I could have asked for a speech therapist to come in and make me PO <laughs> so that I could drink something. Um, but, you know, it resolved. It was just a rough way to start my birthday. Large, huge, massive shout out to Megan because I called her and I think I sent her a text in the morning that was like, hi, I'm not okay. Probably scared her a little bit. She came and picked me up. I told her it felt like I was going into labor because of my back, <laughs> but lived to see the day. Um, I guess drink water is the lesson we get from that. Hydrate. Hydrate. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yep. it was definitely a crazy experience. And all I kept thinking was like, oh my gosh, this is her birthday <laughs> of all days. I, um, one of the nurses in the hospital did say, oh, I, I told her it was my birthday and she was like, oh, look, it's full circle. You started here, you're ending here. And I was like, that is the least positive thing you could say to me on my birthday. I'm not ending here. Oh my God. <laughs> so don't say that if you work in a uh, medical setting and it's somebody's birthday that you're treating. If you were all drugged up, that could have gone bad. <laughs> Nobody yeah. To know about my wisdom teeth story but I was drugged up and it did not end well wait tell me your wisdom teeth story oh no, no, no it was oh my gosh I it was I think freshman year of college or right okay. before it it was either the summer before or after and mm -hmm. oh my lord my brother had already gotten them out um so he knew what to expect and he was dumb hype to mess with me he, yes, he good. was like, can I come to the appointment? And my mom was like, it's at 8 a.m. And he's a teenager, so he's like. That's yeah, a sacrifice to get up that early. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm not doing that. So he, but he did greet me at the door when I got home. <laughs> I, I have really tough veins. So it took them eight tries in my arm to get the IV in. And then they went oh through my, my hands. Uh, yeah, they're they're elusive little suckers. No, but no I, drugs, Megan. Your veins <laughs> are drug free. I know. I, know. I can't. I can't get anything in there. She's clean. <laughs> Whether by choice or not. <laughs> but yeah, I woke up and I was talking to myself. I like woke up talking, which yep. doesn't really surprise anyone. No. Nope. <laughs> But I'm in the corner room and I can like see a little bit outside of my room and I've got all that gods in my mouth. And I'm like, yep. oh, I see people walking by. This is so Just narrating your life for everybody. Yep. Good. It was a full on narration so much that a nurse walked by and closed the rest of my curtain. And I was like, <laughs> it's like oh. you're done. Go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, guess they didn't like me talking. <laughs> and I had my Finsta was very active at the time. Oh, so I um, had my mom record me for my Finsta fresh out of surgery. So I'm like, hi, Finsta world. But it sounds like I <laughs> got a little closet. vlog. Oh, yeah. yeah yep. I did a little vlog. So I'm like, hi, <laughs> and then I the nurse was her brother went to Penn State and I had decided she was the most beautiful thing in the world. So I was like, with me for bonding over that real quick. 
Yep. And then she's like, we're not supposed to take pictures, but maybe when I walk you out, she did. And then <laughs> I went home and my dad was on a business trip. So he wasn't coming home that night, but my brother comes downstairs and he's trying to mess with me. Nothing's working. And then my mom's like, just play a movie for her. So he starts going through all our DVDs and he's like, do you want Cinderella? No. Do you want Sleeping Beauty? No. Do you want Toy Story? No. Do you want Finding Nemo? No. And I was, I, and he goes, oh, well, that's good because we can't find Nemo. And I was like, what? And <laughs> he goes, we can't find him. And I said, yes, you can. There's a whole movie. You find him at the end. And then he goes, yeah, but we can't find his dad. And he, I was like, Marlon? <laughs> like, my Disney knowledge was pretty on point, but yeah, he's like, yeah, we can't find him. I was like, yeah, he's the one looking for Nemo. And then my brother goes, yeah, but he dies. And I said, no, he doesn't. And my brother goes, yeah, but your dad did. So he tells me my dad's dead and my dad's away on a business trip in like Georgia. This is terribly dramatic. Oh my gosh. I went from high key excited recording to for like my Insta on top of the world singing, I can't feel my face when I'm with you and thinking it was the most relevant song to today. Yes, yes, yes. Dropping a million degrees and weeping about my dad who's dead. That's like a mean, yeah. Did you ever, um, what, what? Okay, on Ellen, they had somebody and it was like a wisdom tooth story and her brothers tricked her into thinking it was the apocalypse, got her in the car. They had like recorded a whole thing on the radio that was like, warning, warning, apocalypse. And they made her pick which animal to put in the car. Like, you can only take one of your pets. Which one do you want to take? And there's this whole thing. They ended up putting her on Ellen, but um, that girl and her brothers, I know all of them from my hometown. And no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is so funny. That's, yep. it is terrible. Do not mess. And it was like, I knew in some part of my brain, it wasn't true, but my emotion regulation went so far out the window. Out of whack. Yeah. I was weeping. And then my mom's like pissed. My mom's like, JR, get your father on the phone this is ridiculous right I'm right pissed. if you got if you had been first and he had gone second you could have paid back but has he I been know. on um he hasn't been on any happy no happy medicine in my life but this makes it worse listen to this so my dad my brother calls my dad like six times oh remember to vote people just got a text um but my Dad will not answer the phone. We call him repeat, 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 and he keeps denying. That makes it so much worse. Then he sends pictures of me as a, a little child. And I'm like, how far? Like, you're more in your phone to send me these pictures of me as a four-year-old child than you are to answer a phone call. And then right. when my brother says, look, Megan's freaking out. And I think my mom sent him a video and she's like, Megan, say hi to your dad. And I'm like weeping and I'm like, hi dad. I hope it's nice in heaven. <laughs> and, and he's finally, he still doesn't answer the phone. But JR goes, Megan wants to know if you're dead. And he goes a little bit on the inside because that's just the way he jokes. And then I'm yep. like, oh my God. Yep, not helping, not helping. <laughs> Oh no. Oh, all right. Well, um, I'll be sure to send off your brother if you're ever uh, a little under. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know it's not ideal, but no. do not he went, he went serious. Yeah. Do not mess with people on the drugs. On the drugs. I'm just saying, I don't think, what do they give you for wisdom teeth? I don't think it's morphine. They give you I don't think it is either. I, I did have my wisdom teeth out too. And I did go under, um, and I think when I came back, it wasn't crazy, but I definitely was a little, well, I was very stubborn. I, but I don't know if it's supposed to be like the more authentic you when you're on drugs or the less authentic you. <laughs> um, so I was definitely very stubborn. And I remember it was like November time and they were playing Christmas music. And I went on a big rant about, you know, like, you know, how people have that thing about you can't play Christmas music until a certain date or something like that. Large discussion with that. Um, Lena would lean the other way, but I would say let's get to okay. Thanksgiving. I have Thanksgiving. Yes. Okay. I have talked to Lena recently because I'm pretty sure either Carrie Underwood or Dolly Parton or maybe both are coming out with a Christmas album, but they released it like maybe now, maybe in October, which I do feel like is a little early, but both of them are great singers. I'm sure they'll be great songs. <laughs> I think it's Carrie Underwood that's, that's releasing it. Yeah, that sounds right. Lena has been, Lena watched Christmas movies year round. So um, we actually talked about it in our last episode. So oh, for, okay. all of, for all of you chatterboxes out there. The fan base. <laughs> the fan base. <laughs> You'll recognize this content. <laughs> oh my Probably gosh, it's been a week. I'm exhausted. I'm a little loopy. Um, happy hump day. Happy hump day. Hi. Yeah. Well, they'll listen to this on Thursday, but happy home day. Then they'll, they'll made it one day extra. Plus one. Happy Friday Eve. That's an exciting day. Yeah. So let's see. Did anything else exciting happen? Well, yeah. So you said you moved. I did move. And now you're all by your lonesome. I am. I really enjoy it. You're all, y'all are allowed to come over, but I do (laughs) enjoy living alone. Yeah. Maybe a cat would be the only acceptable roommate at this point. Oh. I know. So for cats, I've always liked cats, but I kind of think it's because my twin brother is allergic to cats. So it's like the one pet I couldn't have, I really wanted. Yeah. Um, I know Kaylee has cats. Yep. Or at least a cat. She does. We talked about that in that episode as well. Yes. All these plugs, I'll tell you what. I, yeah, I'm plugging for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I don't know. Okay. So one thing, my new neighborhood does have lots of kids. Very cute. Um, A lot of them are home right now because school's at home, but I'm wondering how like trick-or-treating and all that will be. Do I need to rig up like a catapult so I can just slingshot candy to children as they walk by? I will do it. That is so fun. I know. I don't know either. I know some neighborhoods, like I've talked to some of my kids that I'm seeing right now and some of them are doing a socially distant Halloween. So they kind of set up a table six feet in front of their front door or something. Okay. And and they have like individually wrapped bags or something. Yeah. But that seems, I mean, I'm not a Halloween gal, but that seems like a lot. Well, there's also the... um... What are they called? I think it's kind of a Southern thing. Yeah, trunk or treats, which I feel like you could even like drive through a trunk or treat or socially distant, you know, like all in a big parking lot kind of thing. Yeah. 
I guess it's just the idea like other kids are also touching this stuff because I know plenty of people yeah. who have a bowl out, you know, like here's yeah. a bowl, take one. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that's acceptable now or not. I asked a couple of my families though, because I was like, this is crazy. How are you going to? Right. I'm going to do Halloween. Dress up, do a parade. I don't know. Well, maybe we can post up on your, your little balcony porch thing. That's what I'm thinking. I could have a good, I could have a good candy slingshot, like direction and everything. Yeah. See all the kids costumes and just like, tell them to line up six feet away and I'll just fire out. Like a t-shirt cannon. Yeah. He can catch it. (laughs) That's so funny. I think it could work. I'll, I'll wear gloves. I think it could work too. That's awesome. (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. I'm glad you're really enjoying your new place. I think living alone can be scary for a lot of people, especially the first time you do it. But I feel like it was definitely just something you were so ready for and you were like, let's do it. Yes. Yes. And I had lived before one other time, um, junior year, like two or two years ago. Oh, And I really like that. So that was my first time. Um, and I really did like it. But then it was, I did have another year with like best friends in college. Yeah. That's yeah. It's just something special. Yeah. Something different. And like mm-hmm. you can come home and just chill. Yes. You don't have to worry about any other drawers. So I guess here's a fun fact. I used to keep my own jars of chocolate chips. I don't know if y'all remember, I had M&Ms in my locker. Very important. I used to keep my own jars of chocolate chips, which is the preferred, um, the preferred chocolate in my opinion. Oh. Um, in different rooms of the house that were just mine. And then we had like the shared ones in the pantry. But now that I live alone, I just have chocolate chips in the pantry and I won't get home and realize that like they're all gone because someone used them or anything like that. So that's a big uh, new convenience of living alone. (laughs) Definitely a plus. You're in a chocolate chip surplus. (laughs) Oh yeah, got lots. That's awesome. Well, now we know where to go if we're ever baking cookies. Don't have yes, cover. and I keep backup bags if you need them. Oh <laughs> that is awesome. I love it. Yeah. Oh man, that's great. So speaking of coming home and unwinding, let's talk about your placement this semester. Oh yeah. Um. So mine was a little bit funky. Have you done? Have you interviewed Hannah yet? No. Okay. So she and I have like a dual placement thing. So we're both at High Point Hospital, but um, one of us is an outpatient and one is an acute. And then we switched halfway through. So I've actually finished my outpatient rotation and this is only my second week in the acute one. Um, And so in outpatient, it was mainly adults, um, but because of, I feel like everything's changed because of COVID, but um, a lot of kids aren't getting the same services at school that they were used to getting or parents had noticed regressions or different things like that. So the pediatric SLP outpatient was overloaded. So we did get a couple kids in there. So it was neat because there were days, I think there was one day I saw like a 16 month old kid and a 93 year old just in the same day, which is very fun. Every patient was very different. Um, Some of them couldn't talk at all. Some of them were adults who'd had strokes or traumatic brain injuries or 
uh, degenerative diseases and were really low functioning. Some people were very, very high functioning and owned, you know, like multi-million dollar companies or were leaders and things, but weren't at that place that they were before the injury. So they weren't at baseline yet. So it was very interesting because we could go from one person where we were working on like, what's your name? What's your name? How old are you? What state do you live in? To another person who, you know, was doing really challenging things that like they for sure were smarter than me, but um, <laughs> hopefully it helps them. So I really, really liked the placement. We did also some modified over there and feeding, swallowing, Parkinson's, LSVT, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you got like a full array of stuff. It was, yeah, it was definitely a smorgasbord. Um, but I, I liked the smorgasbord aspect of it more than I thought. It made every day very kind of like adrenaline filled of like, ooh, who's coming next? Yeah. So give us yeah. your review. Like what were your favorite things to do during the day? Maybe your least favorite things? What challenged you the most? Where you feel yeah. like you the most? Stuff like that. Okay. Um, so I think one thing, it's not specifically about patients or populations or anything, but one thing that I really liked was before all of my, I think this is true. Yeah. All my supervisors and my placements and stuff had been in academia, been at UNCG and in grad school. And I just feel like like the grad school bubble, the academia bubble is a lot more focused on like only that. So it's not really a balanced I don't know. It, it was just very like, that's what you were focused on. And this was really neat to have an SLP who was a mentor, but not just in that, like being a good clinician, but also how can you be an advocate? How can you be a leader within a team? How can you be a good community member, a good family member, good, you know, like a well-rounded SLP and how can you bring skills that you learn in your personal life into being an, a clinician or how can you bring your clinician skills into something else you're doing in your life. So I think it was just really neat to see, um, to have my supervisor as a mentor in that sense. Um, and that she's only four or five years out, I think. Um, and she confirmed that like, what she knows now, she didn't know in grad school. So we're not supposed to have learned everything. We're more supposed to have learned how to access what we need to learn. Um, to how to teach ourselves when there's different people who come up and um, kind of just like how to, how to balance always continuously learning more and more and more with also providing good therapy and diagnostic skills and stuff. So yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> my favorite patient, I don't, I don't know if I had a favorite patient. Um, I really like cognitive therapy stuff. So like attention, memory. Um, and I really like compensatory strategy things. So technology is big for that. Like how even, even like Siri, like teaching some of these older people how to like voice to text when they're trying to text somebody when they can't type out words and they thought that was the coolest thing ever. And then they could like text their grandkids. Oh, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, a therapy thing that came up. So some of our older people who are recovering from whatever they're recovering from a stroke usually um, 
one of, I think the biggest helps in their recovery process is that they've ended up helping with some of that, like homeschooling that their grandkids have had. So their grandkids, you know, are going to school, but it's online and they need kind of like a chaperone or something. And the grandparent and the kids are about at the same level where they can both help each other to like troubleshoot online things or to read paragraphs and answer questions about them. So that's actually kind of neat that I, I like when people are able to work together, kind of like a transdisciplinary collaboration. Yeah. Like and I liked working with the other OTs and PTs. So the multidisciplinary aspect at the hospital was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. And I feel like that's, that's so special because not only are you working on cognition, but you're also working on like socialization and like building that family rapport and kind of- Which is hard during this time when so many people have been quarantined. You know, we say like, oh, are you using this when you order things at a restaurant? And they're like, oh, I'm not really, you know, eating out as much anymore. Yeah. Especially for the geriatric population, like because they were so vulnerable, like I know my Nana's in an apartment, but it's within a progressive assisted living community. So she doesn't need the help right now, but it's there for when she does. But like, they basically weren't even allowed to leave their rooms. Like it was almost like, like jail or something. Like they delivered their meals to their doors. They knocked, but weren't allowed to answer for a minute until they were clear of the six feet. Like, wow. Yeah. And so for older populations, like that's a huge cognitive thing as far as we're concerned. Um, just to say, like, I haven't even talked to another human being. You know, my Nana lives alone. Right. right. Yeah. Like neuroplasticity, use it or lose it if you're not using it, and <laughs> whether, wh- whether you've had a stroke or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the same yeah. with driving. It's the same with placing orders. It's the same with, you know, making a list and going to the grocery store and executing that list. It's mm-hmm. all connected and you just like it's hard to see it I think it unless we're looking at it specifically but it's such a big deal and that aspect is huge Mm -hmm. and And they're I think they feel like they have they're like adding they're helping other people they have a value they have something that they're working for um, a responsibility which is kind of neat because I think sometimes when you've had like a brain injury or something you feel like oh what can I do now or you know who can I help but they're making a huge impact on these kids lives which is really cool too that's exactly what I was going to say that sense of responsibility and that sense of value you know for yourself or someone else is so important especially Mm -hmm. when you get into those older years that's awesome that's super cool I would love to even see a study about something like that too like like the symbiotic sense of the relationship between the child and the adult. So, yeah. So something I had actually looked into a little bit in undergrad was there's these preschools that are, that meet at retirement facilities and they'll basically pair them up like with reading buddies. So you have an older person and a younger kid and there are some issues like more, um, you know, there's more germs you don't want to have a geriatric population around a ton of kids all the time just because of the amount of germs. You have to kind of decide when is someone who's in the geriatric population cognitively appropriate to be around three and four, five-year-olds all the time. But really, really cool things came out of, have come out of these programs where they have those. I don't think it was specifically SLPs who were doing it, just educators in general about like learning from wisdom and 
feeling useful and yeah yeah it's really cool I think that yeah, maybe maybe I'll end up working somewhere like that then I can see my kids and my adults all day at the same time yeah <laughs> the best of both worlds Love I know Marcus forward <laughs> oh yeah that's so cool I'm so mm-hmm. glad that you enjoyed that placement and it sounds like you Thank and your you. supervisor had a really positive relationship too yeah I I really thought it was I've I've liked all my supervisors so I feel very lucky in that sense yeah but I think especially yeah. that concept of of a well-rounded clinician is so important and thinking yeah. about how you bring that into a therapy session but also how you bring that into writing notes or planning for therapy and then also taking it into that team approach especially in a hospital or a place like a school where you're collaborating with a lot of different professionals for that's, sure for that's sure. so important Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And she's just Mm -hmm. a couple years out. So that's kind of an inspiration story too, to be like, no, it really is. Yeah. Every time I think she knows so much, she's like, well, I've only know this much because I've looked it up in the last three years. It's not like I knew this three years ago. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We got it. (laughs) It's reaching that point where it's like, oh my God, I'm going to be done in May. I'm going yeah. to be professional in May. Very strange. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah, it's exciting, but it's also kind of like, am I, am I there? Cause I know. The time it's like, oh my gosh, I like, let me do what I want to do. I'm capable. And then half the time it's like, don't leave me, please. <laughs> Cause I have no idea. And that was really off. Right. Let me like filibuster a second until they get back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. How do you feel? Cause it's, it's tough. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, our field is very broad. So I feel like there are certain things that I do feel comfortable with and certain things that I don't feel comfortable with. And I don't think there's very many places that I feel like there's very few places you work where you only see one type of person. And just in general, everybody's different. So even if you're like an amazing clinician at this type of thing, there's a lot of other, I feel like you're always going to be stumped. And if you're not stumped, you're probably not like looking hard enough. Yeah. Um, So I think like being okay with not knowing everything, but not being okay with like stopping learning. Yeah. It's the good, the good place to be at. No, absolutely. I think so too. And I think we're in a funny spot where it's kind of like, okay, we've had these clinical experiences. Granted, we haven't had as many as we were supposed to because we didn't have the summer. Right. And then it's kind of like, okay, now we're looking at the next semester. And we're in a very unique position where the 20s have been lifted. Which is good and bad, I could think. Yeah. 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 And so I have been corresponding with Miss Williams a decent amount just kind of questioning you know what does that mean for me because I I'm in a spot where I personally don't see myself in a hospital potentially outpatient but definitely not acute Mm -hmm. and so I'm thinking okay do I go and work there just to have the experience and say I did or is this an opportunity without the 20s to be able to start a specialization and a focus and attract which is unique and no other previous years before us have had that opportunity to even consider that. Yeah. So which it's is cool kind of, itself. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting time. And it's that point in the semester where we start thinking about it and it's like, Ooh, what did 
do I want to do? You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I want to hear about your transition because you just did it two weeks ago, right? To acute. Yes. And how you're liking acute, what acute is for everybody who hasn't done it, like me. Right, um, right. And then also how it compares. Okay. So it's in the hospital. So like the patients are all staying there overnight. It, I thought it was going to be more um, repetitive, kind of like, oh, you see the same thing every day as opposed to outpatient where I felt like it was a whole new world every 30 minutes. Um, but in inpatient, we did, it's mainly swallowing some cognition, but the cognition is mainly like, are you safe to go home? Do you know what your name is? What number do you call if there's a fire? 911, those kinds of questions. Um, oh, some speech, some voice. 911. 911 for a fire. <laughs> for a fire. <laughs> one, um, one person gave us his mom's phone number. Oh, and he was like a 50 year old. And he said, My mom always says, make sure you call me before you call 911. <laughs> I was like, Okay, good for you. <laughs> so cute. he passed, he passed the test. Okay. Um, yeah. So it is a lot of swallowing that we do, but it's still varies a lot because I've had just in the last week, some patients who are doctors or nurses themselves, um, who are in the hospital for various things that are like, Oh, by the way, swallowing hurts since I'm here. Can you check it out? And we check it out and you can talk with them, have a conversation with them, educate them, explain to them. I've also had people who are like, they aren't like they are in a vegetative state or they are in not responsive to anything or, um, or their eyes are open, but yeah, just different. And those people we also are doing evals for, but it's not the kind of thing where they walk in and you say, so what are your problems? Okay. How is that impacting your life? Because like, they don't know. Um, and that's different. Also a lot more agitated patients. And who are like physically or verbally aggressive. Um, and that's kind of different because in an outpatient, you came to therapy because you wanted to be there because you wanted to get better. And here I'm seeing patients who don't want me to be there. They don't want to get better sometimes, or they just don't really understand what's happening. They don't realize that they need to get better, things like that. Um, so that's different. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I'm liking it more than I thought I would. It's so, it's a lot more of a mystery because there's the pieces of the puzzle aren't as obvious sometimes in acute, you kind of have to like dig for them to figure out what's going on as opposed to them just point blank telling you right. whatever's happening. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a mystery. Um, I also really like the interdisciplinary aspect of, acute care though, because we work, I talk to the nurses like every half hour, call them, page them, Skype business message them. Um, the other PTs and OTs are there and we all talk a lot. I feel like every corner I turn on the hospital or every elevator I'm at or every floor I'm at, someone's saying like, oh, don't you have bed number, blah, blah, blah. Here's what I'm thinking. And they're just always talking about patients. So that part of it is really neat. Um, I do kind of wonder if it would be different in a non-COVID time because maybe we could talk to the family members of those people or the family members would be with them or different things like that. Um, 
that right now it's just, you know, we just have a person in a bed and we're hoping for the best, but we don't know too, too much information. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm liking acute more than I thought I would. It's um, a bit slower paced in terms of how many patients you see a day and stuff than outpatient, or at least in my outpatient experience. Um, yeah. Is that, that a good summary? Yeah, I think that's awesome. Okay. I feel like that's a really thoughtful observation too, as far as not having the families present. Um, yeah. Because that's not something I necessarily thought of before. And you know, like for a lot of pediatric or especially what I'm doing with like severely impacted children. Right. Like they have to be there. Beside them. Yeah. Yeah. And so in a lot of cases, it's been a lot more information for us because typically in a session where you would go in person, that mom's like, yo, I'm going to run a CVS real quick and pick up this prescription, or I'm going to take 20 minutes and just like close my eyes in the waiting room. Cause it's so much day to day that like, we don't get that kind of input with the family or like, they don't realize the device. Cause they're like, Oh, she's got you. I'm good. I'm clocking out for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So I feel like that's a really interesting observation and a very valid thought to be like, you know, how would we be doing this differently if the families were present? Yeah, that's kind of what my capstone is on is just how caregiver involvement and knowledge of therapy and caregiver mental mental health impacts our clients, whether it's a little kid like that. Cause I think I've heard from other people, I think parents can either be like the best part or the hardest part of our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, either they're like super advocates, really want to learn everything. You're seeing so much progress because they're working with them every day or it's, it's kind of a battle and you have to convince them we're on the same side. We're not on opposite sides. We're a team um, and stuff like that. And I think Maybe the same could be true for adults where sometimes you have people in the family who are advocates and they're like, we want to do everything to make sure they get better. And sometimes you have it where they're like, you're just supposed to fix them and like, tell me when to come. Um, But yeah, it's hard to tell right now in acute if they have, you know, how much family support there is and what kind of communication we can even have with them. So we are talking a little bit in the hospital about um, if emailing to family members at home can be an option and that tip, like, I know people do that in private practices, but that's typically not something that they've done in acute care hospital settings is to like constantly email all the patient's family members, but it is such a valid part of care that it's up for discussion at least. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I feel like I was thinking the exact same thing. It was kind of the idea of, okay, how, like almost a new question in that, how does that affect cognition, knowing you're expected to be responsible for this information, you know, like personally, you know, because my, I mean, my mom's been an advocate for both of my grandparents. And so she's been present at every single doctor's appointment it doesn't even matter one of them sneezes and my mom's there kind of thing Mm -hmm. like that on top of it but does that mean that then the patient whether that's my nan or pop-up could just check out 
are they still as present in their in their session and, and in receiving that information? You know, how does that translate long term as far as recall and memory if they know they're the only one there? Yeah. That's, that's a really fascinating question. Yes. But yes. it's and, really true. And I think there's been some things we're talking about like ethics, I guess, but the um, you know, the power of attorney decision making idea. So if the person who's making the decision is not physically there. Sometimes they've been making decisions, but they have not been in to see the patient. So they haven't seen with their own eyes. And we try to relay the message, but it's hard. I don't, sometimes it's hard to relay a message without somebody physically being there and seeing it. And if COVID's not making that possible for them to come and see them, or if the patient thinks that they're okay to make the decision. So they're verbalizing to their nurses, their doctors, their therapists, this is what they want done. But in their chart, it says, this is what the daughter wants done. This is what the husband wants done, something like that. Yeah. And they're two different things. Then instead of the family member being the person who kind of works that out, it ends up being healthcare providers that have to be like, hi, so I know you haven't seen this person in forever. You might not remember this person because you've had things going on up here, but this is what we have to do. Yeah. And I like rationalizing with patients, which doesn't always happen in acute just because of their cognitive state and just being in a hospital. Like I was in a hospital for what, seven, eight hours on my birthday for mm -hmm. or, um, the kidney stones, but like I was a little out of it. <laughs> so I can't imagine these people who've been there for weeks are just out of it for, yeah. Yeah. And having a rotating staff of people coming in and checking on them. And right. everyone tell them all these different things that they might not understand. Right. I, I cannot comprehend being a patient without my advocate or even just someone else to help remind me when you're thinking about all those other things, you know, like yeah. even just being with you, like you were thinking about the pain, you were thinking about how you wanted water, you were thinking about, can I have Tylenol? You were thinking about where's the closest hospital from this urgent care, like things like right. that. I'm not really processing what you're saying. Right. You know, like, okay, the doctor came in great, but like, what did they say? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting concept. And then it's the idea of should power of attorney be allowed in versus not, because technically that's the legal advocate. And so, yeah. How do I make a judgment call without being seeing it and then or is the power attorney the only family member that's allowed in that's been another that you know if there's multiple family members shouldn't we give a power of attorney kind of like priority for being the one visitor that's allowed yeah yeah it's and it's unprecedented times but it's also a very valid question that brings up a lot of stuff about ethics i think and it could be a longevity thing it's not a oh for these two weeks this is the case uh, we've also talked about doing kind of like take-home folders like we used to do in elementary school where it would be like, here's my Thursday folder. And we could just kind of have a folder that whoever walks in the room gets to put their little post-it note or their update or their flyer or their handout right. um, in there, whether it would be helping the patient to then when they're a little bit more cognitively with it, open it up and be like, oh, this is what has happened over the last week. Or a family member be like, oh, this is what's happened over the last week because you can't tell me accurately here. Right. Yeah. So we'll see if any of those things happen. Yeah. Well, and it's also a question of like best care versus like obligation too, 
Because like, yeah, of course, it would be great to write a note for every single client and send that home to every single client's family and have those correspondences. But it's also just not feasible. feasible in every yeah. Setting. Yeah. Or at all, you know. And and sometimes the note would look the exact same over 10 days. So is that yeah. <laughs> helpful? I know. And I'm sure with legal things, even for doing the notes, you might have to have recorded copies of everything. Yep. Yeah. Electronic mm-hmm. medical record systems aren't up for that. Yeah. But they are looking at making kind of major changes potentially. I don't know how, how soon in the future. Yeah. Well, and I do find it fascinating because the idea of Medicare, Medicaid covering certain expenses is very valid, right? And there's certain language that we do need to include in our notes, regardless of the session type or the population we're serving, just to get funding so that it's not entirely on the client. But at the same time, if I showed that note to my client, it doesn't matter if they're cognitively impaired or not. It's another language. <laughs> the language within that is not approachable. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the idea of, okay, I want to keep tabs on myself, but how do I do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I think our field is in for a a few different changes, regardless of location. But I think especially within the hospital, it's, it's just not approachable by other people. Right. And that's important. And especially if we're then tasked with power of attorney and things like that. I got to have something to back it up. You'd hope so. (laughs) Oh, you need, you better, right? Yeah. That's so cool. So as far as, I know you're newer to your acute care setting, Mm -hmm. but as far as acute versus outpatient, do you have a clear winner? I know you said you like acute more than you thought you would, but is that still not in the same? Yeah, I thought I would like outpatient better. And I still think that I like outpatient better. I I really like the therapy of it. And the fact, this sounds a little bit selfish, but the fact that like, they want me to help. <laughs> yeah. Like I think it feels good to be wanted. Yeah. It's kind of nice that like when they're with us, we are their number one priority versus when they're in the hospital, speech therapy or swallowing or language or voice is not their number one priority. They're wanting to like get home yeah. or eat a cheeseburger or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I think I really like the therapy aspect of outpatients. Yeah. Well, and those aggressive behaviors can be hard, you know? I Yeah, I'm not built for that. <laughs> I mean, I do a lot of work with, with kids with autism, but I have a soft spot for people with Down syndrome, hardcore. And I think, like, I started with that. And so mm-hmm. that's, like, I love working with people with Down syndrome. But I think it's also yeah. just the idea of the demeanor more often yeah. is so much more positive. Yes, which does make a difference. And I mean, it's not really selfish because our jobs are very helping others focus, but it is like, I like to be around people who like to be around me. Like that makes sense. And I, I do have to say outpatient was a lot more emotional than I expected in the sense that patients were very frustrated and would cry and would be upset. And there were, again, power of attorney issues within outpatient. But I think the ability to kind of like do counseling and reason and think through and even have that be part of therapy and outpatient was really cool that like, yes, all of these 
negative feelings, negative behaviors, accurate fear, feelings, and accurate behaviors were happening, but we were able to like do something about them versus the cute, we weren't necessarily able to like address them. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I feel like I talked to, I talked to Lena a little bit about that as far as, you know, the emotional task. And yes. I think maybe the stuttering team dealt with that a little bit more, but for the most okay. part in our first year, I don't feel like we dealt with that much at all. Yeah. You know, we were kind of a step removed and, and it depends on where you were and things like that. But as far as my placements go, like I don't really deal with the parents or the families. Like I just had kids, they were coming in for all sorts of things. And like, right. you know, you handle it to a certain degree. Some of mine in beyond, um, in the adult group with horsepower were cognizant enough to know that what they were doing was different, but not know why, but it's, mm-hmm. it's different, you know, and it's that idea of how, yeah. how do I counsel that? How do I explain that? Um, which is something I don't know right. a ton of experience with, and it's a full aspect of what we do. Yeah. And I kind of thought that going into it, maybe that would be like my strength. This was that sort of interpersonal side where it wasn't the straight knowledge facts about SLP, but just like how to talk to somebody who's emotional. And that was honestly probably the, one of the most challenging parts right at the beginning. I was like, I can tell you all day about, you know, like how your language is working and your different, your phonatory system and like all that kind of stuff. But when they came in, you know, crying about why is it taken me four and a half months to get better when I just want to get better now and my independence is gone and me being like, yeah, that's hard. You know, like, yeah. and some of them even said, I wish you could experience what I'm experiencing right now because I know you can't understand it. And I know you're trying to. And I was like, yep, that's accurate, but I don't. Yeah, yep. exactly <laughs> what it is. And it's yep. the of, I, I wish I knew how to help you. And sometimes you just don't. Right. And- it bridges that personal and that professional in a way that's like unclear, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so different for every patient. And we say that about everything, but especially with stuff like that, I don't know what you need right? time to give it to you, but I also need to admit for myself that I can't feel what you're feeling. Right. So I might not be able to give you exactly what you need. Right. It's wild. But I, I really think that's awesome. And, and I feel like, you know, you were saying it just clicks. Like I, my brain works in a way where I can incorporate real things into therapy and I like the challenge. And I think that's, that's very much a mentality of when you know where you're supposed to be, you know, like yeah, when it just works and that doesn't mean there aren't hardships and that doesn't mean there aren't challenges, but like you can feel your brain working in the way it's supposed to. Yeah. It's like good, hard thinking as opposed to tiring, hard thinking. Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. sure. That's so cool. So Mm -hmm. as far as longevity, let's say after, after May, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So who knows (laughs) if I was going to predict what happened after May, like May, 2020, a year ago, I would have been completely off, but (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know, I already know my placement for the spring is an outpatient in um, Winston with Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. And I think that'll be interesting. A, it's outpatient, which I know I like, but I think it'll be actually a lot different than this outpatient where this one was, there's one outpatient 
SLP adult therapist for the whole hospital. And in Winston, there's a bunch of different ones and they're all specialized. So I'll be with like a neuro degenerative disease and cochlear implant one, which is more, it's more specialized, I guess. Um, So I think it'll be cool to compare those. I kind of thought that I would like having that smaller population, like what you were talking about, where it's like, should I just, you know, kind of had that be my, my little thing, but I was surprised how much I liked having all over random people this fall. Um, so, so yeah, I think that'll be a neat comparison. And then for beyond, um, I would love an outpatient, whether it's private adult outpatient, whether it's private practice or hospital, um, they're hard to get, <laughs> we'll see. Um, And I'm interested in getting, I'll probably get it now. My supervisor from earlier in the fall encouraged me to to get my CBIS, which is the Certified Brain Injury Specialist. Um, And out of grad school, it's easier to get, like it'd be easier for me to get now than next year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll probably end up trying to get that and you have to rack up like some couple hundred hours with the brain injury population and pass a test and other than that you're good so I'm interested in doing that seeing where that takes me I'm open to going out of North Carolina <laughs> um or out of the country I don't know I really I really could go anywhere <laughs> yeah. so you're Virginia originally mm-hmm. right outside mm-hmm. of DC what's mm-hmm. the area called they call it like the yeah they call it Nova oh no like northern Virginia yeah Nova. So do you see yourself back in Nova? I, so my, like my parents don't live there anymore. I have a lot of friends who are there. Um, there are a lot of job opportunities there just because there's a lot of people in DC in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of think that if I went there now, I don't know if I would leave. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm open to like, living in a couple different places that are new places that I haven't lived in. And I think maybe I'll end up there at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am looking at different, I think still cities, just cause that's what I would sort of grew up with. I like to have different kinds of people and stuff like that. Um, but probably smaller than DC. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. So if you were to go out of the country, because I, I heard you mention that, what do you think would be? I think that would be more of a making my own company type of situation. Yeah. Um, which I do have some thoughts about. I've had thoughts about that for a bit. Not now. That won't happen now. <laughs> but I do have thoughts. Do, do you want to hear this? Do we yeah. Okay. So one of my like dream ideas um is to so slps are not very common in like the globe as a whole um but situations that slps treat are very common all over the globe um and so going and sort of doing an education not formally um so not like starting a program at a university but kind of like apprenticeship type 
things um, at different clinics that help focus on that. And so PTs have really done that in the last couple of years. Um, I've done some research on that about starting PT programs that aren't necessarily like DPT doctor or physical therapy, but just having PTs be in other countries to help provide those specialized services. Um, and so I really am interested in doing that with the speech therapy, but to have it be a sustainable program where it's not like, hey, I'm just gonna come in and say, who needs speech therapy? I'll be here for a week, but have it be like, let me train people who live in various places, they can train other people, kind of like a ripple effect, waterfall effect. Yeah. They'll train more people, they'll, they'll train more people. Um, just to have more like knowledge and more people to help people. And I want to do that with bringing graduate students to other countries for those um, to help with the training. I think that having a kind of global mind, whether you get that global mind from staying in your house and like learning by reading and reading other people's experiences and stuff like that, or by physically going places. Um, I think it really does like change your mindset to have sort of that worldview of like, there are people who are different than you and things like that. And so I'd love to have it be something where it could be graduate students who maybe haven't had opportunities to see and meet and interact with different kinds of people to do that and have a learning on both ends. Because I think that's the other really important thing is I don't really like it when it's a very one-sided, you're the teacher, I'm the learner, but both sides can learn, both sides can teach. So that's a dream that'll happen, you know, maybe at some point. And I guess I could plug it. Um, probably if I end up doing that, I will need volunteer SLPs to kind of um, like sponsor students, supervise students, supervise like, people who are learning how to do therapy in different countries. So catch me in about 20 years. <laughs> Parents, I think that's awesome. I would- Yeah, that's been like a back burner for a couple years. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely would be one of those SLPs to, to oh, provide and stuff. It'd because be so I think fun. That's so, that's such an impactful experience, but for everyone involved. That's the idea, yeah. And I, cause I feel like there's so much just culturally to, that you can learn and beauty that you can see in some other place, you know, it looks very different than North Carolina or the East coast. Yeah. And I mean, how many times do we ask our clients to teach you something, you know, whether it's to teach me this recipe or teach me how to tie my shoes or teach me how you log onto the computer, like whatever it is. So teach me about your country. You know, yeah. teach me about what you do day to day. That's so impactful for our practice. And I think also for the individuals we serve, but also the individuals who are serving, you know? Right. And that internal motivation, locus of control thing too, about like, how much do you care about what you're doing is going to impact how much your brain is able to pick up on it, whether you're arranged it or not, is also a scientifically factual yeah. thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think advocacy is growing so much within our field. Like that is, we are shifting quite a few. It's really cool. I was not aware of that when I like jumped into the CSD SLP boat. I, yeah, it's I a cool thing. Great. I, I agree. I had no concept of advocacy. I really wasn't. 
that involved in it before. And I feel like it's such an important part of our practice too. Just, it's in the code of ethics. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) in there to say, this is what we do. This is how we can help you. These are the things we work on, you know? And Mm -hmm. even just to spread that worldwide and to say like, we're here, you know, and, and the sustainability aspect too is so crucial. And I love that. I love the idea of training and passing it down. And yeah, because yeah, it has an economic impact too, to teach somebody a trade that then they're able to share with other people, whether they're doing it for money or not. It's a big economic impact there. You're like living for something. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the longevity of what you do, right? The idea of everything mm-hmm. we do, it doesn't matter who you work with, but it's supposed to impact quality of life mm-hmm. and effectiveness within everyday situations. And so, mm-hmm. hello, can you imagine passing that on to some some other country? And then, you know, you find it keep passing years, on from there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 20 years, 50 years, 70 years later, the kid you taught or a kid of a kid that you taught is now doing something so impactful for their situation because yeah. of, some of those foundational skills you established. That's very awesome. cool. Mm-hmm. Aww, I'm so proud of you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so awesome. And Yay. I think that Kaylee would love that too. Cause I know I talked to her about potentially going abroad too. So yes, I have, we've shared a couple emails and stuff on it earlier last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Karis. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love everything you've been up to that. You've been, you know, checking some awesome things off your social bucket list, <laughs> new experiences off your, uh, academic and professional bucket list. And- I know it's really going. Who says 2020 has to stink? I know. I think we're, yeah, you can make the most of any year. Yeah. And I think you are always there in that mindset. And I love that. Well, thanks. Thanks for making the most of this season by making a podcast. Oh, come on. Who knew? It's (laughs) one of my favorite things. I really do look forward to it. I love that. (laughs) But I really miss everyone. And so like being I know, yeah, it is good to do a little little catch up. Yeah. And I see you, you know, but like Mm -hmm. we we haven't talked about all of these different things. And I feel like that's so awesome to be able to share and Yeah, a lot of things to cover. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So before we leave, I do want one of your many hysterical client stories because you have some gold. I have dropped a couple of random stories. Yes. Um, you want hysterical? <laughs> some recent ones have just been like shocking. I don't know if they're hysterical. Um, I'll do... Okay, I'll do, I think I told you this one, a funny one. So this was a client, you know, we're working on, I think it was language after a stroke. Um, And clients make mistakes and, you know, same with kids. Like you want to know, like, is this something I should like bring up that it's a mistake or should we just like, be like, oh, good try. Let's go on to the next one. So we were trying to write something about a wheelbarrow. Um, I really need a wheelbarrow to do something. And the sentence that she ended up writing was, I asked my husband to get me the whore, like W-H-O-R-E instead of W-H-E-E-L. And she kept reading it because she were working on like um, self-correction, reading it and seeing like, does that make sense? Is there a way we could change it? 
And she kept reading it over and over and over again because she could tell something wasn't right about it, but couldn't pinpoint what it was. And she finally was like, oh, I figured it out. And I was like, oh, good, I don't have to say it. And she was like, I forgot a period at the end. <laughs> I was like, you did. Let's add that period. But then I was like, do I tell her that she might have misspelled another word too and read it wrong? And been bringing a whore around. Yeah, is that maybe, maybe it's accurate. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so that there have been some like incorrect uh, phrases of patients. Yes. And then another one, we had a fun, wait, I need to make sure I'm not doing like, no, I'm not. Um, we had a fun gift that someone gave us and his, I don't think it was his, someone in, in his family was a stockholder of the Mount Olive Pickle Company, which I've talked to Laura about because her husband, I think, loves pickles. I'm pretty sure. Um, and it's right near her new house where she moved to. So Mount Olive Pickles are in North Carolina and they're stockholders there. And they brought like large party pack boxes of pickles as thank yous. Um, and it's on the, the address. They were so proud of this. They also wear t-shirts that say like, we love Mount Olive Pickles um, very, very regularly. They, um, the Mount Olive Pickle Company is on the corner of I think it's like vine and cucumber or something like that. Like it's, it's very obvious all over their box, all over their t-shirt. So that was, that was nice, I guess. <laughs> and they were jarred canned. So I feel like that's COVID free. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of a awesome. gift you could give. Hey, who doesn't love a good pickle? Yeah. Quality stocking stuffer for those of you looking towards the holiday season. Rue, visit your, you know, buy local. That's a big from North Carolina, homegrown, home sourced. Absolutely. You know, I don't love pickles. Don't give me a pickle, but it's okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know. Chocolate chips, she'll be happy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> sure, you said they were your favorite. Oh, I will. If you really want to know, Target brand is the best. Target brand chocolate Target chip? brand. Like, I can tell. Not even. Not a Nestle, not Ghirardelli, not Food Lion brand, Target brand. I know you're wild and we'll do a we'll do a blind taste test and all okay we'll do a blind taste test and we'll fix it out (laughs) too (laughs) that is awesome oh I love it oh Mm -hmm. man well so before we log off I want to know something that's made you happy recently oh my gosh well I mean this is fun um also very recently, today was 81 degrees and it is late October and that made me very happy. I, I don't know why it was 81 degrees. That's weird, but I'll take it. Yeah. Immediate. As an immediate happy that that happened. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's been a beautiful week for that vitamin C. Oh yeah. Getting it. Vitamin D. What vitamin D. is it? I, I ate my oranges today though, too. That I think that's oh, vitamin C. And D. Yeah. I literally had this conversation with Kaylee and Hannah Golnick messaged me off the podcast. So hey to both of you and goes, Megan, you literally just said you sit out in the sun and you feel like a plant. Like what the heck? You feel like a plant. (laughs) Every time I'm like, I'm photosynthesizing. (laughs) I'm breathing better. (laughs) Come back inside and I like take a nap. But then after my nap, I feel like so energized. I feel great. 
Oh, yes, I'm glad you do. Also, I just thought of something else that made me happy. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of, this one's making me happy, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, okay, so I I like peanut butter, right? But I didn't, I've never had like super strong cravings for it until one year in college, one of my roommates was highly, highly allergic to peanut butter. And I was like, that's fine. Like, we don't have to have any in the house. It won't matter. Since then, I have like had cravings for peanut butter. Like I made friends with my neighbors, stored peanut butter and nutter butter, not nutter butter, what are they called? The nutty bars, like they're chocolate covered. What are they called? Not Snickers. No. Nutty Buddy. Nutty bar. Nutty. Oh, Nutter Fingers or something? They're not cookies. Oh. But okay, so anyway, these <laughs> bar things. And I stored them at my neighbor's house in college so I could like go over for my peanut butter fix. And two days ago, I was at the store saw them at the store. I think they're nutty buddies. Um, and anyway, I bought a pack and I have them in my pantry right now and I haven't had them yet. Ooh. So <laughs> that makes me happy. That's awesome. And since I live alone, nobody's allergic to peanut butter and I can eat them. Nothing against peanut butter people. But <laughs> Get it girl. That's so funny. I feel yes. like that's a theme. You want a cat now because you couldn't have a cat with your brother. I mean, there's just freedom. I love other people, but there really is just open doors everywhere for me now. <laughs> and you're walking through them and I love that. Apparently. <laughs> you're getting it done. Yeah, you I'm too. Girl, hey, I'm doing what I can. We're all just trying to live up to life like Karis. Oh gosh. <laughs> that, that tenacity. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> no. keep it up. I think you're doing a good job at life too. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. I'm so glad that we got to catch up and I'm so excited yeah. about everything that lies ahead for you and everything you've already been up to. And thank you. Yeah. And I hope you enjoy those nutty buddies. Thank you. I hope I do too. <laughs> Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. You too. And all of you and yeah, and um, everybody, we're like a month away from Thanksgiving, I think. Mm -hmm. Actually, tomorrow when you release this, we'll be a month away from Thanksgiving. Exactly. 22nd, and then the 26th. Oh, man. It's coming, folks. Yeah. Maybe, maybe me and Carrie's can plan a uh, socially distanced socially distanced friendsgiving i mean if it's 82 degrees we are 100 percent. everyone can have their own blanket and everything yep, we're solid I and i'll bring a slingshot and slingshot mashed potatoes to people <laughs> candy slingshot <laughs> i love it we're gonna test it on halloween and we'll bring it out for thanksgiving yeah got it done deal yeah. i love it well stay tuned folks and thank you karis for coming on chatterbox Thank you very much.